there. Welcome to the Moving Up Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Wilson. I'm here to dish out practical advice to help you elevate your business and your life. I'm the CEO of the Wilson Group Real Estate Services here in Nashville, Tennessee. So you know we're going to be covering ground in the real estate industry. But you'll also be hearing from expert leaders in the personal development and entrepreneurship communities. So pull up a seat because we're about to have a lot of fun. It's time for you to move up. Welcome to the Moving Up Podcast with Christy and Heather. Y'all, I'm so excited about today's show. One of my favorite lenders with Churchill Mortgage is Kevin Watson. And Kevin has agreed to join us today to talk about all things real estate lending. And it is the wild, wild west out there yes. right now, spring of 2022. So Kevin, welcome aboard. Thank welcome. you. It's my pleasure. I'm so pleasure excited be because here. we can shoot any question your way and you oh, will yeah. have an answer. Yeah, I got an answer. You, <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. How long have you been in this business? Oh, goodness. Uh, this is going to date me. So uh, I have been in here uh, in Middle Tennessee originating mortgages uh, for 27 years. Okay. We're yeah. the same. We got yeah. started at the same time. Yep. So I like to call it seasoned. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just going to jump right in because what yeah. everyone is talking about, well, anything real estate, everybody's talking about, mm-hmm. but most specifically interest rates. Yeah. For the first time in a long time, or I guess four oh, years, we've seen interest rates really move. Quite a bit. So tell us about where they are, where you think they're going to go. Yeah. And when a buyer gets pre-approved, how you figure out what interest rate, how they get their interest rate. Okay. So right now, uh, 30-year fixed is going to be in the high fours. And uh, of course, a 15 is going to be probably in the mid to lower fours. And uh, we're up about a point and a half more than we were about 30 to 60 days ago. I was going to say, yeah, about six weeks ago. It has really jumped up. Uh And we had a gentleman named Bill Bodner who owns a company called, he's a chief economist for the Mortgage Market Guide. We had him speak to us about this just recently. And he was telling us that a lot of this is because of the Fed's jawboning, they call it, meaning that they're talking about raising rates. And just the talk Mm. about the Fed raising rates causes rates to go up. Yeah. Self-fulfilling prophecy. That's right. Yeah. And he calls it jawboning, right? So just the talk about the Fed when they came on last time and said that they'll probably raise another five to six more times this year, then the market just went nuts. Market meaning mortgage-backed securities. So what happens ultimately just a small economics lesson for all of us is is that uh, mortgage-backed securities, everyone's mortgage is bundled into these big mortgage-backed securities through Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac mainly. Fannie's bigger than Freddie, but we you know can sell to either. And those securities are publicly traded, right? So when something happens like economic conditions or the Fed speaks like this, those mortgage-backed securities are affected. And that's what affects our interest rate. That's the main thing that affects our interest rate, but there's many other things Mm -hmm. and it's a global economy now. So anything that happens across the country, across the world actually affects our interest rates. But yeah, that greatly affected our mortgage backed securities. 
and has caused rates to go up quite a bit, but still very, very affordable. I keep telling people, you know, people that started 27 years ago understand this, but, uh, you know, that we're still at a half price you know, discount right now mm-hmm. based on what normal rates are. Mm-hmm. Normal rates are really in the sixes and sevens. And so uh, hopefully we'll stay closer to the below that average than, than above. And I did ask Bill, Bill Bodner, I said, do you think that there's a possibility that we'll ever see a 6% and, and 7% again? And he did not think so. However, in certain cases, we're, we're getting close. We're getting so close. does this start raising the question? Because every time rates go up, there's some little rumblings about maybe they should create a 40-year mortgage or a 50-year mortgage. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, there used to be a 40. Mm-hmm. and That we, lived for about a minute. Yeah. And it was funny when... As a loan officer, you look at the pricing of the 40 and you compare it to the 30, it really didn't make sense. Yeah. Because the pricing was so much higher that it was about the same as the 30. Ah, interesting. <laughs> interesting. So kind of look at it financially and go, mm, it's kind of a trick. Right. You know, now I'll tell you what is popular now and coming back is the ARM. Yeah, I figured. Right? The adjustable rate mortgage. Mm-hmm. And we do have a really good ARM that is probably running. I looked this morning uh, just to make sure I knew where they were and pricing the customer around 4.375% compared to around 4.875% for a 30-year fixed. You know, majority of the people are getting a 30. Um, if you get a lower term, you can probably improve that. But but um, about a half a point better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, quite a improvement. Is the that only a five-year or a seven-year? That's a 10-year. Oh, a 10-year. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So, you know, a lot of people aren't going to be in their house 10 years. Right. You know, and so uh, we kind of talk through and go, okay, let's look at the last couple of houses that you own. How long mm-hmm. did you have the mortgage in that? And none of them that I've spoken to recently have had anything less than a couple of years because we've refinanced all of them. Right. A couple right. of years ago. So, so has your have, refinance market dropped up way off? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously everyone's got the twos. Right. Well, so why would you want exactly to get a... Upper, I mean, we would do it for you, but it doesn't make sense. So for our listeners listening, let's do some real math. Say yeah. you're a buyer and you're buying a $500,000 home. Mm-hmm. Clearly, that's not in Davidson County. But <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <Right. laughs> but let's just say for ease of math, that it's okay. a $500,000 home. Okay. You did have an interest rate of three and a half mm-hmm. in January. Mm-hmm. Now rates have popped up to what? Four and three quarters? Yeah, four and seven eighths. Four and seven eighths. Yeah. And let's assume 20% down mm-hmm. on a $500,000 purchase. Okay. So you're putting, what, $100,000 down. Your mortgage is now $400,000 is the mortgage. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference in your principal and interest payment? So on the three and a half, you're looking at seventeen ninety six, And so... And I will jot that down so that we can come back to at, that number. Yeah, twenty one sixteen. Wow, twenty one sixteen. Wow, twenty one sixteen. So three hundred dollars. So you're looking at about three hundred and twenty dollars a month difference. Yeah. And uh, you know, over the life of the loan, that would be about one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. Wow. Over the life of the loan, if you just paid the minimum payment. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's gone up quite a bit. So it's going to, you know, they say that a 1% increase is going to take about 10% of your buying power away. 
for every 1%, it goes up. Oh, mm-hmm. what a good little tidbit. Yeah. 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 Okay. So 1%, every, it takes 10% of your buying power mm-hmm, away. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's yeah. something new for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. A good little tip yeah. that I heard recently. <laughs> well, good. We love tips. Yeah. 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 So, so that definitely will affect it. And, you know, in our market, because we're so blessed to have such uh, high demand for our market, that instead of 10 people making offers on the house, you may have seven now. Right. Yeah. So. We, and we have that conversation often, Kevin, yeah. that the rising interest rates are not really going Mm-mm. to change Mm-mm. anything Mm-mm. here. And no, and, and I, we did a study. It was really cool. And if I can find it real quickly, I'll show you. But we looked at where 2006 was compared to now. And we did a little affordability study mm-hmm. to go, okay, so we have interest rates here. And I'll show you the chart. Of course, our friends at home don't see this, but uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll illustrate it. So yeah. you have interest rates here, you know, and let's compare them to, let's say it's, this is 4%. It's a little higher now, but. So in the, 2006, rates were at six? Yeah, they were in the sixes and sevens. I remember locking people in around there. And that, that was low. And, I mean, I and, remember 6% was considered we were, low. And right. we were so busy. We yeah. couldn't. Yeah. And so rates were in the around the sixes. So we're around the fours, maybe a little higher today. So when you look at the monthly payment, it looks bad because, of course, the house price wasn't as high. So you've had about a 41% appreciation in home prices since that time. Okay. However, what people don't think about, and the news doesn't tell you, because they want to tell you the bad stuff. Sure. The good part is incomes, household incomes have grown 55% since then. So yes, you've had a 41% increase in home prices, but you've had a 55% increase in household income, mm-hmm. right? So when you look at the affordability of homes today, on a we look at, at it, their total debt compared to their gross income, and we call that a debt-to-income ratio. Mm-hmm. When we look at their DTI or debt-to-income ratio, the debt-to-income ratio is actually lower today than it was back in 2006. Hmm. So it's just, that was eye-opening for me to understand the household incomes have grown much more than the house prices have. Yeah, interesting. Yes, that is. And and a big difference now, too, when we talk about mortgages, is the mortgages that were being made in 2006 and the way that the buyers got approved was so different and so dicey. I love those days. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I tell you what, I was Which, originating during that time, yeah. and, and it was it was amazing. Talk about the wild, wild you, west of you, lending. It you was didn't have to do much anything, much at all. And and I have a chart for that. Oh, okay. wonderful! This is pretty we should have video this, yeah, this know, podcast. Right? Well, uh, I will get those from you in yeah. PDF format, yeah, and yeah. so that way we can attach them and make them visible through yeah. our social media. And how oh, can, great idea! How Heather. can they get that through your social? Yes, media? through our social media. Mm-hmm. So, so on this chart, this is really cool. It shows the number of loans that were done with a credit score under six twenty. And visual picture is pretty amazing. So what you're looking at here, uh, audience, is there's a graph that shows really high bars all the way up till 2006. So it looks like you're averaging around 325 billion people had credit scores under 620. Gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh. Now it's close to 50 billion. And so it's dramatically dropped because uh, of this, the credit criteria has gotten mm. so much tougher. And so right. that by itself, if you look at the average credit scores today uh, for a conventional buyer, are 755. Wow. 
So people have good Huge credit. Most yeah. of the people buying homes today have good credit. Well, and I just and don't that feel makes like, a big difference. Sure. I just yeah. don't feel like we're in a bubble. I think the correction that everybody's mm-hmm. talking about is it's just appreciation will start to minimize because mm-hmm. you right. just can't continue 20 to 25% appreciable. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Hi, I'm Harry Allen, co-founder and chief relationship officer of Studio Bank. Studio Bank is passionate about what our members create, and we're here to support you through the process. We provide capital and services to build businesses. We offer mortgage and home loan options, whether you're a first-time home buyer or purchasing your fifth home. We work with artists to reach their audiences. We help nonprofits transform our community. And often, the most important work we do is simply empowering individuals to pursue their dreams. We're here because what you create matters. Let's create something together. Visit studiobank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, NMLS number 176-1767. Let's talk about, because in looking at how we used to do loans and anybody could get a loan, and then the pendulum swung so far over, Mm -hmm. and especially during COVID, it became very challenging for the self-employed borrower to Mm, get a loan. Definitely. When you're looking at a self-employed borrower, talk about the criteria that you guys need to have for that. Okay. You know, that's a really good question. The biggest part of being a self-employed borrower is planning, right? Just like you get with your CPA to plan out and you get with your financial planner and your banker, you know, you need to have a great mortgage person on your side and a realtor you know, on your side, because it's a large investment. 80% of people's wealth is held in their home. So that's a great launching of self-employed businesses, right? But planning, I think, is the key. So the self-employed borrower, we're going to look at the adjusted gross income or the net profit, whichever one that that shows there. And the net profit is after all the expenses are taken out, Mm -hmm. right? So it makes it really tough. On their tax return. On their tax return. Yeah. So if they're Schedule C, typically a lot of them are Schedule C. We'll look on the Schedule C and you look down to your net profit after you've written everything off and we have to use an average of the last two years. And so if that average looks good enough for us to qualify with the debt-to-income ratio, criteria we were talking about for Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, which is typically, they'll let us go, uh, the top end is about 36%, but they'll let us go into the low 40s as far as percentage of that net profit. You take an average of the last two years. And uh, if their current year, if they've already filed tax returns, if their current year profit and loss statement shows that they're still making that amount of money or better, then they should be in good shape. So let's say that like a lot of people that are self-employed right now, that maybe 2019, well, excuse me, maybe 2020 was not as good as 2021 because of Mm -hmm. COVID, Mm -hmm. right? And that's really a big case. There is a little bit of a workaround. If the person has been self-employed for over five years, Fannie Mae, when we run it through the automated underwriting engine, it's going to look at everything, all the criteria, the amount of assets they have, the credit, all that stuff. They're going to look at how much they're putting down, and it will tell us if we need two years or maybe they'll only make us have one year. We could use just 21, and that helps us 
not to use 20 if 20's tax returns were much lower and, and lower our average of the two-year average. So if they're, they've been in self-employed over five years, that shows more stability. Mm-hmm. So Fannie Mae doesn't ask for the two full years. If that is a challenge, then the next thing we look at is there's a lot of alternatives. Could you add a co-signer on there? We've had a lot of people that, yeah. you know, a lot of our young customers are self-employed and they're entrepreneurial and they're doing great, but they just don't have enough time on that job or the income is so new and they may have a lot of expenses in the beginning. Now, there are a couple of expenses you can add back. Depreciation, you can add back. So let's say you bought a bunch of sound equipment for a studio and you depreciated all that. You can add that back and that doesn't count against your income. But that's about a about all you can. There's a couple of other items, but that's a big one. But let's say that that didn't work. Then you could add a cosigner to strengthen your file until you had enough returns to be able to refinance and take the cosigner off the note mm-hmm. or maybe even maybe the next house, mm-hmm. right? If that were not an alternative, the only other shot you would want to do is try a, a bank statement loan, mm-hmm. okay? And what they're going to do is they're going to look at a, there's a 12-month bank statement and a 24-month bank statement. And they won't look at your tax returns at all. They'll just take the last average 12 months of your bank statements, and they'll use a percentage of that as your income. Now, are they using your corporate banks, like for your company or for your personal bank statements or both? There's a different program for each one. So they can use company or they can use personal. Okay. And it's those deposits that show up, and they'll use a percentage of those deposits. Now, the bad news is the terms aren't as good, Right. right? Because as you go down in what you're going to document, you're rising the risk. Mm-hmm. So as the risk goes up, so does the terms and down payment goes up and rates go up and you know you just don't get the same terms. So you think of it as, hey, it gets you in the home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then when and if, which we think that we may be hitting a peak in interest rates, we think there's a good possibility that they could fall back down. Mm-hmm. This isn't an immediate thing. This is maybe next year or something mm-hmm. like that because of the jawboning we talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you look, when the Fed does a series of increases, the last increase, the typical time frame from the time that they start decreasing is about eight months. Every single time they decrease rates again because it's a little bit of a accordion effect, right? Mm -hmm. They raise them and then they see that it slows the economy a little bit too much. They lower them down to stimulate the economy back up. So we feel that there could be an opportunity that people could refinance in there and then they've got all that equity they've grown into and they're able to take advantage of that and refinance at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you think of it as a two step, right? Yeah. right? It's not just a one step, get in the house. It's okay. I'm going to get in the house. The terms aren't as favorable as I'd like, but I'm getting in the house at today's prices compared to later down the road, which will be much higher. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to take advantage of that and go ahead and get on the wave of home ownership. Now, right. Mm-hmm. You know? right. Good. So those are the, the choices that they have. But right. It all takes planning. The other thing is, hey, if you are making a lot of gross income, 
but you have a lot of expenses, maybe you take a couple of years and don't write off your expenses. Right. Right. If you know that in advance Mm -hmm. and go ahead and plan and do it that way, then we can use more income. And then later down the road, you can write off whatever you want in the future tax returns, Mm -hmm. you know, but. uh, And a good question for a CPA would be after you, because I have no idea on this, let's say you go two years without writing a lot off. You can oftentimes amend your tax return. And again, that's a CPA question. I don't know if you can retroactively or if that would be mortgage fraud. <laughs> I know, right? Maybe yeah. I shouldn't have said I'm sitting that. sitting here going, yeah. we may want to edit that yeah, one out. To, <laughs> I, ask your CPA. <laughs> yeah, ask your CPA. I am neither a CPA nor an attorney, nor have I been in prison. Yeah. yeah. And, and, interestingly enough, which this may be in the edit, but uh, we do check both. We check the person's tax returns and we actually check with the IRS to get the transcripts right. to make sure they're the same because some people have tried oh, to do both. Interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. there are some dicey people <laughs> yeah. out there. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't even know that. So clearly yeah. I'm not as shady as I seem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question. Though. You know, it's an innocent and great question. You know, but but yeah, it's uh, funny. We, we often call ourselves like uh, Gorbachev and Reagan had this relationship where he said, we're going to trust what you say, but we're verifying everything you're going to say. Mm -hmm. That's how our industry is. Yeah, that's so true. We trust what you give us and what you tell us, but we're verifying everything you give us and tell us. Well, and I tell you, nothing is more painful than getting a mortgage. I mean, it does You know, I say we're right above going to the dentist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. My dentist was pretty easy. (laughs) They've gotten better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for the self-employed, and that's why I guess I'm... um, Self-employed. The self-employed, because being self-employed, I I, um, bought a, a... property this year or 2021. (laughs) And, you know, realtors should get mortgages more often because you see what your clients go through. And I was just going, oh my gosh, what else do you want? And and I get it. You know, I understand exactly, but it was still, you know, you're rushing around at the last minute, but you have to because y'all verify, I mean, it's critical to verify everything within 48 hours. It is. And, and of the closing. Yeah. And there, there are extra steps that we have to do for self-employed. We have to make sure that the business has liquidity. Mm -hmm. So if they have short-term loans that, that, uh, are 12 month loans, the, sometimes those are renewed through the commercial banker. Mm -hmm. We have to verify that they are, or we have to show they have assets to pay them off Mm -hmm. or they don't have liquidity and then we can't do it that way. Yeah. So there's a lot of other little things that go into being self-employed. It's not as cut and dry as a W-2 employee. The other thing we see are people that were W-2 and just went self-employed. Right. Yeah. You know, we urge those people not to do that yet. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and get the house. Yes. Right? And then do whatever you want. As long as you make the payments, no one's going to care. Right. right. So, you know, it's planning. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, having the right partners that help you make the right plan. You know, w- wisdom of counsel. You know, mm-hmm. is having a multiple of counselors helping you. That's so through true. That. So true. Have have your team. Definitely, so true. So another thing that's very front of mind in the real estate industry right now is appraisals mm-hmm. and homes not appraising. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about what happens on the loan side. Right. Say your borrower is pre-approved for a million dollars, and they're under contract for. A million dollars, mm-hmm. and no, let's say where they're under contract for nine ninety, mm-hmm. and the house appraises for eight fifty. Okay, what do they do then? Yeah, 
So actually, it, that, that's too big of a gap. Let's let's do a hundred thousand dollar gap. Let's do nine ninety and eight ninety. That that's, makes it easy for yeah. me. I'm an Alabama yeah. grad, so I need easy math. <laughs> <laughs> so so I I, I'm good word. with the calculator, but not, not in my head. We'll, we'll reserve all yeah. of their comments yeah. <laughs> about Alabama. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you've got a hundred thousand uh, dollar appraisal gap, right? So several ways we can make that up. Let's say the customer's putting sixty percent. You know, forty percent down. Mm-hmm. Then no problem. You just put down a little bit mm-hmm. less, less down payment. We yeah. raised the loan a hundred thousand. Right? Sure, no problem. Where you come into problems, yeah, <laughs> especially our our poor first time buyers yeah. right now. Yeah, for <laughs> right? sure. Yeah. You know, I'm not discouraging you for buying because you should buy now, definitely. But if you only have the minimum 5% down, you know, which wouldn't happen on the million anyway, but... <laughs> well, yeah, but, and we can change the math. But if you've got, uh, you know, either way, either way if, if you only have the minimum down and the requirement for the loan is that minimum, then that's where you come into challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're putting a larger amount down, we have this happen often where on a conventional loan, and a conventional loan in this area, Middle Tennessee mainly, and most of the uh, counties around, you're going to see uh, the loan has to be under six forty seven two hundred, or you can do a high balance conventional loan up to six ninety four six hundred. I think that's right. I may have my four and six mm-hmm. transposed, but it's it's close. And so, if you get a loan that gives you what seven hundred and thirteen thousand dollar purchase, mm-hmm. and with only five percent down. Right, which isn't bad. So let's say you're under that for hypothetical reasons here. Then if you're putting, you know, twenty percent down and you were hoping to avoid mortgage insurance, then if that hundred thousand or whatever the difference of the appraisal gap, we just rise that uh interest or excuse me, that loan size up, you're gonna have some mortgage insurance. But mortgage insurance has gotten a lot more affordable okay, that's than, good to know. than what you and I have seen in the past. They were super, super expensive before, but especially if you're putting 10% down or more, mortgage insurance is pretty cheap, Okay, right? And we look at the math and you'll see what we do is we try to put all those scenarios next to each other side by side and review it with a customer and say, okay, here's where we were. Here's where we are now with the appraisal gap. Here's the amount of cash you need to bring now, extra hundred in our example. Or if you did mortgage insurance, this is how much more your payment will go up. Mm. And then when the value continues to grow, you can drop that mortgage insurance, right? Or if you want to have, we call it a borrower paid mortgage insurance, like a one lump sum of mortgage insurance, they can do that. And it's pretty cheap. And they can pay one lump and it's done. Mm-hmm. It's a lot cheaper than $100,000. Yeah, sure. Yeah. A whole lot. I've never even thought about this mm-hmm. um, scenario. Yeah. So we look at all the scenarios side by side and we give them all the options and then let them choose. And then okay. we just execute whichever idea they, they talk about. So there's a lot of great options. And then, you know, we don't want to forget all the other things they can do. You know, if someone has a 401k, you know, uh, the good news is most retirement accounts and you have to check with your administrator, mm-hmm. right? But most of the retirement accounts will let you take that money out interest-free, penalty-free for 60 days as long as you put it in back in the next – within 60 days. You have to put the same amount back in. But if you take it out just for a temporary time until maybe a house sells or mm-hmm. you have some other cash coming in that you know is coming in, then – 
you're back whole and there's no problem. Or some of them will let you do a 401k loan against that. And we don't count 401k loans against your debt uh, because you're borrowing from yourself. Right. Gift funds. Uh, we do that a whole lot. We see a lot of gift funds come in when that happens. Um, I, the key again is planning ahead of time mm-hmm. and strategy working, mm-hmm. you know, the realtor and the lender talking together. And let's say you say, Hey, Kevin, there's no way it's going to come in over 980, mm-hmm. right? In our scenario, mm-hmm. there's no way it's going to come in over 980. And we, we put 995 in. So we've got a 15, you know, what are we going to do? And then that's when I have the conversation or we have the conversation with the customer. So when you put the offer in, we're already prepared for that. And what we like to do is we like to actually do a video out to the seller and uh, the seller's agent sends it or gets it and gives it to the seller saying, hey, we've already got an appraisal gap strategy. We, we're prepared mm-hmm. for it. We're ready for it. They're fully approved and the customer is like a cash buyer. Mm-hmm. So we're ready to go. And that often helps get the contract. Yeah. So those are some of the ways we address those appraisal gaps. Gotcha. And then the appraisers you use in your AMA pool do you know which appraisers are in there? Yes. Y'all, y'all, we, did y'all we, choose that or does the... We did. We did. Um, and and every now and then, it's rare, but every now and then we can take one out if mm-hmm. they just haven't performed. Mm-hmm. But uh, our AMCs are... AMCs, uh, not yeah, AMA, okay. sorry. <laughs> yeah. Appraisal management companies, they actually have quite a few and we have a couple of them that we can choose from. However, here's a really nifty idea. So I had one recently, uh, a couple buying a lake home and it was further away. Uh, actually this one was in Alabama and the realtor said, Hey, I've got a couple of appraisers that I know. Could we use them? What we can do, we can't directly communicate with them due to the home value code of conduct that came up Mm -hmm. in 2010 in part of the Dodd-Frank Act. But what we can do is we can add them to the AMC. Mm. And then the AMC puts the order out and then the appraiser, if he's local in that area, they're more likely to pick it up. Grab it, right. Yeah. So if you're in more of a remote area and that person knows some appraisers that are not on our AMC list, Mm -hmm. we can add them to our AMC list. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another thing we can do. Right. You know, we're not allowed to communicate to them, but we can definitely put them on the list. So what do you see as we're in early stages of 2022, if you will, what do you see 2022 shaking out like on the mortgage side? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well, rates are up. So most of the refinances, unless people are pulling cash out, are going to slow down a little bit. And even in those scenarios, sometimes I may suggest an equity line instead of messing with that 2% interest rate mm-hmm. yeah. they have. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, just depending on how long they're going to put it away. But even an equity line is going to go up in rate mm-hmm. because it's tied to prime. Mm-hmm. And prime is what the Fed is going to rise. Mm-hmm. So we just analyze that. But as far as purchases, we think it's going to be a good year, mm-hmm. right? We, we do, th- too. We do. Yeah. And I mean, it already has been. We're, so. we're seeing that. Yeah. Um, I run all of Middle Tennessee for Churchill Mortgage, and we're looking at our locks. We're looking at, you know, future indications of how we're going to look, and our locks were way up, you know, more than our fundings last month, which is always a good sign. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're locking in more than your funding. Yeah. So that means yeah. things are going up. Yeah. And our April looks really good. So we're seeing that our activity is 
very high. We have a lot of customers that are interested and we're actually getting contracts. So it's not like we have a bunch of pre-approvals that aren't getting contracts. People are coming in and getting contracts. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's working. It's just different. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's just different. Well, it's we talk take about some the ingenuity. Right. And we talk about the lack of inventory and there is a lack of inventory, but we continue to find our buyers homes. Yes. You know, you just have to move really quickly and, and yeah. put together the best offer and just things just don't stay on the market. Whereas yeah. before they would stay on the market for a sure. few months and now sure. they're on the right. market for four days. Yeah. So it's just really, the inventory's there. It just moves so fast. Well, I shouldn't say it's there. We still could use a heck of a lot more. Sure. But, definitely. Um, but when we see the closed sales each month, we're going, how could that exceed last year mm-hmm. when there's fewer inventory or less inventory, but we just continue to well, I have get another, out there and find another it. Another chart, speaking of all that that I'd love. This is my favorite one. So this is, you know, uh, there was a really, I wish I could remember this economist that talked to us about this, but he said, really, economy is really easy to predict because most of it is based on population. Hmm. They said, so if you look at the population growths and declines, you can pretty much predict what's going to happen. So guess what I have? I have the births for each generation and the population. So what I did was... We drew out where we are today, and this is an interesting fact. The magic time for people to buy is typically 33. And it's oh, in age. In age. Okay. Yep, yep. And so the millennials are right here on the chart of 33, mm-hmm. which to our audience, it hasn't even hit the peak of millennials yet. So we've got about three or four more years before the millennials peak into that buying season. Mm-hmm. And, and then I drew a line. Look. For 25 years, it doesn't go under yeah. that. Wow. So population increases are going to cause more and more demand. Right. Because they're getting into that age where they want to buy. Yeah. And so I thought that was really interesting. You know, the fact that, that you know, we're really not going to see a, a decline for a long time in the population and the demand. Yeah. So... Huh. <laughs> I Interesting. I'll, we'll definitely put this one on our That's um, a really show notes great chart. Too. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the Gen X people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we were a small generation. Yes. <laughs> Very small. And, yeah. And so uh, this is an interesting part when this happened right here. Uh-huh. If you look back in 2006, what was 33 years before that? What, 1973? Something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It's right around when the um, abortion. Oh, Roe v. Wade. Uh, Roe mm-hmm. v. Wade. So that actually you see a decline in population right here. Oh, my right gosh. Here. Wow. Yeah. So different laws affect different populations. And uh, so look at what happened in 2006 when we were having the crash. Population was going down at the same time. That is so fascinating. Yeah. Very it was cool. really interesting. I know. Freakonomics. Freakonomics, yes. indeed. Did you read that I, book? Can, I did. I love that book. And, I need to read like that book. It was a flashback and, to the book, Freakonomics. Yeah. Yeah. Like 20, yeah. that came out, what, 20 years book. ago? It sounds really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like population can kind of tell you where things are going to go and Based on what this is saying, it's it's going to be a while. Okay, well, bring in the good news. I know. I, I think you get good piece of good news with your charts. I know. It's awesome. <laughs> I know. And we love a good chart. We I do. Love, I do too, <laughs> obviously. Well, well, Kevin, we're going to have to wrap it up. We could talk for hours mm. on this stuff. So we're going to have you back. I have many we, more for charts. For sure. I know yes, you have many I more charts. <laughs> and next time, they'll, we'll, we'll, they'll be all even updated for, yes, for yes, next season. Definitely. So we cannot thank you enough. Everybody, this is Kevin Watson with Churchill Mortgage, one of our 
favorite lenders in Middle Tennessee and oh. the country. I mean, y'all are everywhere. I am yeah. honored to be here and just love working with all of your team. And y'all for those of you who don't know, top-notch. Kevin Watson is the best dressed man I've oh. ever seen in my life. And I used to ask his wife, I'm like, do you dress your husband? She's like, oh no, he does it all by himself. That's so, right. <laughs> always impressed with his selection of cars and his outfits. So, <laughs> he's a renaissance man. But I got to keep up with my wife. She's yeah, so beautiful. She, she is a beautiful, oh. beautiful girl, yeah. for sure. All right. Thank you, everyone for tuning in today. If you have any questions regarding this podcast or any topic you would like Heather and I to cover, email us at podcast at wilsongrouprealestate.com. And we look forward to seeing you next time or talking to you next time. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. The Wilson Group Real Estate Services is one of Nashville's top premier boutique real estate firms. We specialize in working with buyers and sellers for housing, investment, and commercial needs, as well as offering a full-service property management division for your investments. Check out our website today at wilsongrouprealestate.com. Hey, if you're loving the show, go find that little follow button on your podcast app. This will ensure you won't miss a single episode. Until next time.